A dream makes you different. And that is today's Morning Moxie. Welcome to the Morning Moxie show. I am your host, Alicia Sharp, and today we have Pastor Stephen Furtick on the show, and this is part one of a three-part message, and he's talking to us about the danger of a dream, and I really like this message because it kind of has a different flip on it than just from your normal, yeah, go after your dreams and everything like that, because he talks about Joseph and how Joseph had a dream, but the dream was given by God. Like, Joseph didn't ask for the dream. He didn't go seeking out after a dream. The dream was given by God, and God fulfilled it in his time and in his way. And I know for me, I'm always like, oh, let's go after our dreams. And I I do believe that. However, if the dream is from God, God will make it happen. And it always doesn't happen the way that we think it will. It's a great message. Here's part one. In Genesis chapter 37, verse 5, the Bible says, Joseph had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. So for everybody who's thinking that when you get a good idea, everybody's going to go fund you, they're not. And that everybody's going to support you and understand you, don't expect that. Because this message, I want to speak to you about your dreams today, the dreams God has put in your heart, but I want to talk about it from an unusual subject heading called The Danger of a Dream. And this message comes with a warning label. If you like your nice, little, comfortable version of the way life is supposed to be, slip out now, click off now, watch a TED Talk. But this message is for somebody who has a God-given dream, or you're starting to sense it. And I just pray. In fact, let's pray right now. Lord, open our hearts to receive what you say, and then give us the courage to obey it. That's our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I wonder a lot of the time what my kids will remember about their childhood, and I'm scared they'll remember all the scenes I want them to delete. It seems like they remember the times I got mad more than the times I bought them stuff, and I don't like it. But I would say that some of the things that stand out to me about my childhood, particularly my teenage years, are some of the more random incidents. One thing that I remember from my childhood and my mom remembers it a little differently than I do, but she's out of town today, so I can tell this story the way I want to tell it, is uh, when I was auditioning for this band. And I won't bore you with the long story, but my dream from age 17 on was to be a pastor. But before that, I wanted to be a punk rocker. And I almost had the chance because I was at the North Charleston Coliseum. Have I told you this story, Robert? Best story ever. Um, Green Day was playing at the North Charleston Coliseum. And Billy Joe Armstrong called me up on stage and gave me his guitar to play a guitar solo. And uh, it, it was something he had been doing every night on tour. He was looking for the most talented kid in the room, which that night was me, or just whatever kid looked the most excited, or whatever the case was. And he put his Fender Stratocaster around my neck. True story. I'm 15 years old, and I played the guitar solo for a three-chord song called Knowledge by the band Operation Ivy. I still remember how the song went, um, but I'm not going to sing it for you right now because it's a waste of time. We need to get back to Genesis 37. But what that set off was kind of like a chain of events where I became a lot more popular in school, 
And I was so excited. The next morning, I woke up and I was listening to the radio, and the DJ, his name was the critic, was talking about the Green Day show. And I was getting ready for school, listening to the radio, still excited. Only slept about an hour. Excited to get to school. Excited to be like, "How you like me now?" To all the girls who didn't pay me attention the day before. And and he goes, um, "Oh, he said uh, the Green Day show last night." He said, it wasn't a very great show, but there was one part. He said, there was a kid who got up on stage and ripped on guitar. He was the highlight of the show. He stole the show. His words, not mine. I'm very humble. I would not say it that way, but that's the way he said it. That's the way the critic said it. And, and so I called in. I called the radio station. I was like, you got to put me through. That's me he's talking about. I'm about to go to school right now. I got to leave in like five minutes. My mom's waiting for me. But that was me he was talking about on stage that played guitar. Put me through to the critic. And they put me through to the critic. And I said, hey, that was me you're talking about. He said, well, hey, kid, bring your uh, demo tape by. Because I told him I had a band. And he was like, bring your demo tape by and we'll play it on the air. But we didn't have a demo tape. But that's all right because we, we, uh, we eventually saved $300, made a demo tape. I took it to the critic. He played it on the air. And when I was leaving, this is several months later, he said, um, by the way, I am putting together a band. It'd be kind of cool to have a 15-year-old kid in the band. So if you want to audition for it, you can learn these songs and you can audition for my band. Well, I thought that'd be amazing because we'd be playing at the music farm and we'd be playing all around Charleston, South Carolina, and that'd be a pretty cool gig for a 15-year-old. So I lock myself in the room. I start learning all the songs on the tape. Um, a tape. A tape is a. Um, um, and my mom walks in one night, and this is all I'm going to say about this because I promise I know you didn't come to hear me talk about my nostalgic 15-year-old memories, but talking about a dream, uh, my mom walks in, picks up the tape, and all of the songs on the tape had cuss words in the title. And, and then even the name of the band had a cuss word in the name of the band, and Buck's laughing because the name of the band is so inappropriate. I can't say it in church. I can't even allude to it in church. But that was the band I was auditioning for. And my mom, who was a Methodist minister's daughter, had old-fashioned Monk's Corner values. And she's like, what is this? And I'm like, this is the band I'm auditioning before. And she said, if you think I'm going to let you go audition for this band, you've lost your mind. If you think I'm going to let you audition for a band called the Beats, then you've lost your mind. To which I said, then I'll run away from home. You will not stand in the way of my dream, right? Because a dream will make you bold. And we never got to find out whether or not I would have had the courage to pack it all up and head out on the mean streets of Monk's Corner on my own to chase my dream because I auditioned for the band and I didn't make it. But the point of the story that I'm trying to tell you is this, that a lot of times the dream we start out with, the dream that we think we see in one stage of our life, will show up later in our life in a different dimension, and it will be such a, a different dimension that we will not even recognize the dream as the original dream. The Bible says that when Joseph was 17 years old, he had a dream, and his brothers hated him all the more for it. That phrase, all the more, lets me know that Joseph's brothers already didn't like him. And we can argue, if we, if we want to, about whether Joseph was wise to share with his brothers the content of his dream. There is such a thing as talking too much, 
posting too much. There is such a thing as sharing too much. There is such a thing as, as thinking that everybody else wants to hear what God has put on your heart. But one thing that we can conclude from the text, even from a biological perspective, is that Joseph was different. And one thing I've noticed about having a dream is that a dream makes you different. Joseph was different from his brothers, not only in his aspirations, but he was, he was from a different mother. They shared the same father, Jacob. And if I listed their names, you might recognize a few of them. They were the patriarchs of the tribes of Israel, but Joseph didn't come through the same mom that his brothers came through. He was the son of Rachel, the pretty one that his dad really liked. And when Joseph saw that Rachel, his favorite wife, Holly, you're my favorite wife, by the way. I just want to put that in this message. Had given him a son. He liked him. He liked him extra special, and he treated him special. And he felt differently about Joseph than the other boys to the point. I don't know if you if you've read the story lately, but you remember he he bought him a Gucci coat, and and Joseph's always wearing it around all the time. He's like, "You like my coat?" And his brothers are like, "We hate your coat." You like you like my coat. You, you you like my coat. You know they're like we we hate we we hate you. We we hate you because you're different. Okay. Now I have a teenage son right now, and one of the things that I'm trying to work out with him in real time is that people accept what is the same, but they eventually respect what is different. People eventually come around and respect what stands out. But what happens to most of us is that the, the moment we start to realize the differences between us and other people, we downplay our distinctives in order to fit in and conform with culture. One thing I'm proud about when I read about Joseph, and, and, and I know it's weird to say that I'm proud of Joseph like he cares, but I'm proud that he had the courage to wear his coat anyway. You know what I mean? It, 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 may, it may have been unwise, but I'm proud of him that he was not afraid to show up in the room looking different because he was clothed with the fabric of the favor of his father. And I wonder, are you courageous enough to wear your coat? Because a lot of times what I've found is that God will begin to show you things about yourself, about your life, about your calling, about your direction, about what he's put inside of you, about the gifts he's given you. But someone will, someone will actually beat the distinctive out of you if you don't know clearly enough that I have a calling from God who is greater than people, and if he is for me, who can be against me? Touch somebody next to you and say, I'm going to wear my coat. Even if people criticize me for it, I'm not ashamed to walk in the love and the favor of God. Oh, we need some Christians who don't check their coat at the door of culture, who are unashamed to be optimistic about the future because you know God is already there. If he is the author and the finisher of your faith… You see what I'm saying? A dream will make you different. 
And it takes courage to be different. It takes courage to speak different. If you get a if you get a hold of a dream, or better said, if a dream gets hold of you from the throne of God, it'll make you walk different, talk different, think different, eat different, drink different, party different, text different. It'll make you different. Dream will make you different. And I'm glad that Joseph had the courage to be different. And I wonder, do we have the courage to be different? That was Stephen Furtick, and you can find that clip and the whole message on YouTube if you search under Stephen Furtick, The Danger of a Dream. You can also find out more information about him at his website, stephenfurtick.com. I hope you have an amazingly blessed day, and I will see you again tomorrow. God bless.